Okay, okay, okay. Rich Ryan here, Reinforced Running Podcast. We are back. Jack Bauer and I, we're here to talk about OCR Stars. This is our final OCR Stars episode. And on the episode, we talk about Burpee Mountain and all the carnage left in its wake. We touch on the overall results. We talk about some of the pros and cons of the events and some of the things we could foresee for the future. Then we go into the age group results and some of the races that were compelling to us and the final results that came from it. So I had a great time going through this with my guy, Jack. And I appreciate you guys taking the time to listen as we did progress through the OCR stars. I guess we'll call it a season these past few weeks. It's been an absolute blast to compete and reflect on it. So if you've enjoyed this podcast, we would love, love if you could drop us a five-star review and say something nice. That would be great. We'd love that. So without further ado, here we go. My guy, Jack Bauer. What's up, dude? How are you? Uh, been, been better. Obviously I've been mentioning the, the whole Achilles issue I've been having and I've been pretty good about it, like mentally and just not letting it get to me. But th- this past weekend was the first time where definitely had uh, a couple low moments where I was like, you, you know, why, why is this happening? Like, I just didn't let it bother me before I, I was just kind of trusting the recovery process, but I think just, you know, nice weather, not having to work for several days and, all I wanted to do was get outside, but I couldn't. So it was, it was, it was the first time where I was like, just can this be over with? And I was, I was getting legitimately frustrated. Yeah. I was saying before, like you, you have had pretty good spirits about it. I've had injuries in the past where it like ruins everything. I feel terrible about everything that's going on, but what, what was it? Was it just a long enough time that it hasn't necessarily gotten better or yeah. I know that can be the case for these soft tissue ones where it's like, I might never run again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I know I will be able to, but it, yeah, that that's kind of the the thing. It's just the same dull throbbing sensation that just hasn't gone away. And like, I broke my hand. I've broken two hands in the past two years and been able to do all grip strength work within like two to three months on all those and return hundred back percent back to normal. And it's like, why did I? I literally broke a bone, and that's okay. A few months later, and this, I'm like, you know, I could shuffle, and that's about it. It's, and there's it's no timetable either. No, exactly. It's just like maybe it'll get better, and, and and like there's so much things you can do, and you hear some the way that people go about that injury in particular with the Achilles, like tendonitis or whatever, it ends up being where it's like, oh well, have you tried a massage that worked for me? Or it's like, oh, have you tried eccentrics that worked for me? And like, there's so many different things that work for other for different people, but there's no like real one strategy for for an achilles that i found that like will help kind of help nope no one no one-stop shop type solution i I reached out to kevin riggy had like a 40-minute phone call with the guy he tore his achilles during tmx uh jessica or jessica mcconnell who's on the new nitty-gritty podcast with Mm -hmm. uh, faye on obstacle racing media she literally her last episode was all about her achilles i'm like I have to reach out to her. She gave me all this helpful advice and I've literally been doing what she said to do. I've got dry needling. I've, I've had, you know, taken more days off fully than I have in, in year. And it's just, it's just one of those frustrating things. And I remember Bracken and Kirk, they had an episode on uh, coming back from injuries and Bracken mentioned like he had two moments where he got down where he was just like, you know, went up to his bedroom and just like pouted for 30 minutes and he was better and stuff. And I was like, I can relate now. Like, it's just one of those things where you're just like, I am, I'm just not in a good mood because of, because all this, like at, at a certain point, but it'll get better. Totally. Yeah, yeah man. I'm sorry you have to go through that. Cause I mean, it is a terrible, terrible time. 
terrible yeah. timing because without physical activity at this time, like with COVID and restrictions, yeah, the days like, like getting shorter and stuff. It's just like yeah. you know, <laughs> twenty twenty, you suck. <laughs> Everything's just yeah. collapsing down on you now. Yeah. But I've definitely been there where it's like I'm not going to be able to run ever again the way that I have been in the past, and you never know when that's going to come because yeah. there might be a day where that is the case. But yeah, it's I've been- always had then you forget like then when it's better you forget about this horrible feeling that you're having exactly yeah and i mean i i honestly forgot that i broke my hand earlier in may uh i didn't even remember i'm like holy crap that was only like six months ago i'm fine so i i know it's going to be the same thing but it's just it's just taking way longer than i want to but and especially seeing results like you know or competitions like ocr stars in this last event where it's like i would have loved doing this one and can't that that makes it even more of a slap in the face yeah dude you i feel like this one was been right up your alley too the whole the whole burpee mountain thing i think was was right there for you um it wasn't fun it definitely wasn't fun (laughs) let's did you have the the chain of emotions like i had with my achilles during during this did you start out you're like you know it'll be okay and then like halfway through you're like this is the end of the world i hate this the first two minutes i felt fantastic and then it was so hard i like the actually the first time that i actually did go through it at about four or five minutes i was at that point where i was like oh man like i might be in over my head and there was maybe like 10 or 12 minutes i was was thinking i was like i really can't wait for this to be done which you know isn't a great place to be during a workout like and it's not often that you get that way in the gym workout because you can just either slow down or stop but this workout in particular the way that it was structured which i really do appreciate where there wasn't really any barrier to slow you down. Like just using this, the OCR stars workouts in comparison, the toaster bar workout, like you had to slow down. Like if you, if you were just kind of crapped out on the toaster bar, that was a limiting factor and it couldn't push you above that threshold. But in this, it was really just your willingness to keep going <laughs> and just like getting into that point and then just continuing to push beyond it. So yeah, it was pretty, pretty freaking hard. How, how would you compare it to like your, just, a, is it a stadium race? Was it like the worst beast you've ever done? Like how, how do you think that compared? It definitely wasn't like, I know that that was kind of the idea that Hunter was saying, Oh, this is going to be like your Tahoe or like a beast effort. It just wasn't long enough. I wish this workout was like 30 minutes. I don't think you go at high enough intensity during a beast either. You're, you're like at that lower heart, you're still pushing yourself like crazy, but you're not like ever in sprint mode. Right. I I really do think this is very much like that 15% for 15 minutes for max distance that's the kind of feeling you got where you're kind of in over your head pretty quick and you just kind of have to hang on and keep grinding. It's like, you're not going that fast, but the, and like you can kind of keep going, but it's really, really hard. And when it's over, you're, you're ecstatic. It's like, and like a fi- even, even this was more uncomfortable to me than even like a 5k or a 5k it's fast out the jump, but the first mile you can kind of, if you're pacing it appropriately, you should feel Okay. For me, at least, and not being very well versed in terms of pacing in the gym, it was really, I got in over my head almost right away. It was also, there was, um, I think the first time you and I ever kind of crossed paths was during a Yanti camp competition. It was the one where he, it was like the burpees, that, that burpee two mile that he does. 
You know the lingo of the, the yeah the, right? the, burp, the 400 burpee. The 400 there, burpee. There was one where it was, it, uh, I forget the exact name, but like run a mile, uh, then you do max distance with like a carry, and then you, you ran another mile, and then you had a bunch of like burpees, kettlebell thrusters, and pull-ups. It was like a pyramid with that or something. I remember that was one of them. Yeah, right. There was there was two parts to the one that you that that we did. This must have been three or four years ago. Yeah, now. yeah. it was the four hundred burpee, and then there was a, a section that was the, the that part of it was the ten one, like the hanging for ten seconds and pull mm-hmm. up. That was scored, and then there was a gym workout, two gym workouts where one was like a distance climb with a carry. Yep, that was what I was it, telling you. Yeah, you ran yeah, a mile, and you had five minutes to do max distance carrying, and then run one more mile or something. So. Yeah, something like that. So it was similar to that as well, just because of the stress. Like my spinal erectors were really sore, like lit up the next day. And when I finished the workout both times, my core was absolutely blitzed. The second time it felt like I had done like a thousand crunches. It felt like that targeted of fatigue, like within my core. So So, so do you think that it actually sort of replicated a heavy carry by putting that kettlebell on there and the fact that burpees realistically are a very aggressive crunch, like when you bring your knees together on your your pop-up? I do. Yeah, I think it was a really good climbing simulation. I think this would be a really good climbing workout. And I feel like if you did, if you had some sort of benchmark where you, I don't know, you just carry something for a half mile and this was your main workout to improve upon your carries, I think you would see benefit to it because you the aerobic output was massive and it was really demanding even though the weight wasn't that heavy but just the volume that you kind of put on was 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 really quite a bit so yeah Yeah. it was again another really like for me the limiting factor was i mean obviously engine this was an engine workout so for most people they're probably going to run out of gas first but for me where i started to feel the most was in my core just like the freaking toaster bar workout so that's some something that I must work on moving forward. So yeah, but I, I think it's just cool to see that, you know, this type of training works for Hunter. I mean, he's not doing it to fake it and he's been doing this type of training for years and he's always one of the most consistent in the sport at the top. So maybe some people will find some weaknesses in this. Obviously it's a running sport to begin with, but adding in a few benchmark workouts like this, such as how they have a bunch of these in CrossFit where, you know, all the girl workouts that they, that they name, like you might, add this to your repertoire just to kind of have your benchmark every few months and just see, see how you've improved. Cause it, it it's going to make you more durable bottom line. And it hurts. I agree. I think this is a really good test. I think there is a good place for this in your training and it was hard and it will test your grit. It'll, and you get, you have uh, something to base off now. Like if your running gets better, like, it, like it'd be interesting to see if this workout would get better along those lines. Um, so when you do workouts, like say those Yankee camp type ones that are, that are gym based, like the one we talked about where it's like that pyramid where you're doing like kettlebell thrusters or whatever and pull-ups do, how are you in terms of pacing for things like like that do you approach it with any kind of pace yeah or so so my my general philosophy on workouts like this is put it in terms of how long would it take you to run that equivalent distance so if it's a 16 minute workout i'm thinking it's probably going to be roughly around 5k unless you're rich ryan and it's probably like a five and a half k um, <laughs> but anyway yeah uh, so i look at it what should i be feeling like during a 5k and it or, or whatever distance it'll you'd be able to cover in 16 minutes some people it might be two miles some people might be two and a half but you know that it's gonna hurt like you if you're or if you're like literally pushing yourself as hard as you can for 16 minutes during a run 
you have to know that at like the seven minute mark or something, you're going to be second guessing. Is this too fast? Can you actually hold on? So you need to expect that it's going to hurt at some certain point around the same level that it would hurt with a, the, the equivalent running time. The only difference in this is that you've got arms involved and core and everything, as opposed to like your legs being the only real limiting factor besides your, your breathing. Um, so, so that kind of hurts it a little bit. So maybe go out a little more conservative um, but the, the way that I see it is you're going to be doing a hundred something burpees, do it at a sustainable pace and you can probably recover a little bit on the, uh, the step overs. That, that's kind of my, that would have been my thought process heading into it. Had I been able to compete. Right. Cause like in a 5k figure at a mile and a half, that's going to be like, okay, like where are we? Am I still in this? Can I keep going at this pace? Can I go faster? Yeah. You there's know, no, so. there's no stringing out of the field generally in the first close to mile. Like a lot of people can fake that and then they like the real fitness shows after that. Exactly. So like thinking of it from that perspective is probably the most appropriate way. But like you said, it's hard to know how that fatigue is going to come in when there are this many burpees and like how your shoulders are going to feel. Cause my shoulders would get fatigued a little bit too with the weight up on. And like, will that impact my ability to continue to move? Like where is the fatigue going to come and what is going to sh- ultimately shut me down and like where and like am i going to be able to push through that the way that i could for running or am i going to get fatigued sooner and just have to kind of slow down and just kind of like die and finish out the workout um you also have to realize that a lot of people at the top of the sport don't really practice burpees too often because they don't plan on doing them so something where you're like oh it's a 16 minute workout i'm gonna crush it first the people who are you know uh, don't have the engine as me they might be a little bit more durable, especially in a push movement, which is something that OCR athletes don't typically do. We do a ton of pull and grip strength, but not a whole lot of push. So that that could have played a role uh, with some people kind of fizzling out towards the end. So when you look at like the CrossFit games, right? Like you watch the CrossFit games when oh, yeah. they're televised, right? So when you watch the best of the best, this year's games, they weren't as compelling to well, watch. You watched the, top, the just... best of the best this year. Frazier and Claire or Tia, but, yeah. but like they just were so much better than everybody that the pacing element like didn't matter as much when, when games pass, there's usually someone in one of these workouts where there's like 20 athletes in a heat or something. There's going to be someone there that's going to kind of push them. So in years past, like you could really see, you know, Matt Fraser or, um, Rich Froning would do this a lot. He would look around and would know where he was in terms of pacing, much like a guy, like in someone in like a, a prelim and like a 5k, right? They're not at the edge. They're, they're, they're judging the field. They know where to push and pull. And I feel like these CrossFit athletes, especially at the top, they do have that element of being able to put the throttle back and forth. And I don't have that when it comes to the gym. I don't, I, I thought I might the way, the six mile the the week before I was so in control. I knew exactly where I was the entire time. And from the first like 800 meters, I knew my pace was something that I was going to be able to hold on for the remainder of that effort. Where in this, it was almost like, I'm just going to try to hope I can maintain this throughout because there's just a lack of familiarity with knowing where I'm going to get tired and what that's going to mean. Like, and how bad of a fall off will that like, will that occur if, when I start dying where you have exact paces, like if you're running six minute miles, when you should be running six thirty, you're going to die and going to start running like seven tens and it's going to be bad. You're going to lose a lot of time. And for this, I was kind of like, 
I'm not sure. Maybe I just need to just go and everybody yeah. else will just kind of go and then everybody will just die and I'll just try to die the least. I think the unique thing about kind of this functional fitness stuff, if you're dying on a run, you can just slow down. If you're dying lifting, you can't do like a quarter of a thruster or like part of a pull. Like you have to complete the rep and that's the limiting factor. Like you, there is no just slow down. You, you're just literally wasting time if you can't complete reps and that makes it really difficult to, you know, really gauge your your effort especially if we're used to training in ocr where it's 80 plus probably closer to 85 percent running um you're not used to having to expend 16 minutes of high intensity stuff uh unless you're doing high rocks level stuff or even to a degree stadium races there it's really a limiting factor to most people and i know that you've you definitely were planning on doing some of the high rocks deck of fit stadium races you've had you've done stadium in the past but I still feel like even a workout like this, if you were purely a stadium racer, you weren't going to be fully prepped for it unless you have some type of like CrossFit specific background recently, not just in your past um, to, to kind of let you really know how it's going to feel. Right. And I think that would be ideally how this workout could have been done. The best was to feel comfortable through a seven, eight, nine minutes, and then really start to, to, push down that throttle and just kind of empty the tank well, as opposed I, to that, that's why i knew that like Forrest would do great because he just attempted a murph record a couple months ago and chris woolley i think he he did something similar where he was trying to he was training for that he was doing a record where he's trying to break the mile record wearing a fire uh firefighter outfit so like hmm. the people who are they did the best and i feel like they've kind of done a lot of those amrap workouts in at least in the past few months recently um so I think that that probably prepared them really well. You're right. And like, I've, it's been a while since I've been able to do these type of workouts with people around it also. And I think that this would have been a good one to have people with, um, or it could have been worse just because people may have just geared each other up just to push it as hard as possible. Imagine it's lining funny. up like 40 people, like the CrossFit games, just get the whole Spartan pro team or, you know, some of the best in high rocks together and just looking around be like holy crap that person's flying so much like that would be so sick been a game changer it'd been awesome in hunter's video um hunter uh they there was like a whole group of them and it looked amazing and that's the winner on the women's side katie knight she was part of that whole group that was in that video and she crushed it she She almost won the men's men's that's when i saw her score i was like what yeah i was was like was was that one set nope 277 that's yeah stupid unreal um and it was funny because chris actually shared his pacing with me he had it all kind of laid out like where he wanted to be and and his pace was much more sustainable than mine i i came at it with two, two different approaches like i looked at my first attempt in the pacing of it and then i compared it with um sean stevens well he he gave me his video and i was kind of looking over his and he got a jump on me right from right away and his second attempt he beat my first attempt so i was like okay i know that there's time to to have here and i watched his and he really he really throttled in the beginning so i saw his pacing i was like okay i want to be faster than even he was in the beginning and that's what i did and then when i compared it to chris's pacing and how he executed i was i would have been ahead of chris until uh the 20 rep mark so for the majority of the workout and so he was really able to hold and maintain that pace and he won the whole thing like 282 when i saw his score i was like oh my god yeah how how do you think that like if you put matt frazier and some of the the best crossfitters in the world and obviously just seeing katie's score on the women's side you you can put any of the best women on there and they'd clearly rank well because i looked there were nine women who got over 250 and only eight men 
and the women's field is about half the size of the men. So clearly they, they just killed it during this. Yeah. I thought about that too. I was like, is the scaling of this, does that help? Like, cause the box was lower or like, was the weight? I mean, the weight has to be pretty close, like 35 to 50. I can't imagine would be. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're scaling. If, if you're a guy who weighs like 180 pounds and 70% of that, you're looking right around 150 pounds. That's probably in the ballpark of a lot of the, the women that 140, 150 range also. So yeah. I feel like it's a reasonable percent body weight scaling. I thought, it, I thought so too. Cause then I saw the women's scores cause they were so impressive. That's, that's like, I was like, maybe like they, like maybe the box was better or maybe they're just pacing or they're just, they just went after it. Cause they did have awesome scores. Yeah. Um, so, but I think a high level CrossFitter would mash this like you, the best ones 300 plus would be would go down i think there's just an element of time that would be that would be hard to to get much higher than so chris got through 282 so he didn't quite get through the burpees right of, I think he got like 16 or 18 reps into his last round into the burpees finished it. Yeah. into the burpees of 24 yeah um i think completing that yes and that would be what like 290 so Pushing 300, I think if people attempted this a couple of times, someone like a Noah Olsen. I, I was or, thinking Noah for sure. Would just yeah. He's so good at burpees. And he's also not afraid to just to push it to the max yep. <laughs> and let's like let it burn. Um, where Matt Fraser, I feel like he would be able to kind of pace this out and still end up in that 300 rep range without overdoing it. But um, yeah, someone like a no, I think could get close to that. I think the high level CrossFitters would win this event. Yeah, I, I think so as well. 16 minutes is right on that border of, is it too long for, I mean, they can hold it really well for a lot of workouts, but 16 minutes still is a very, you need to have a, a really good engine type of workout instead of just be a, a strength CrossFitter. So, but I, I do think that right around 300, low 300s would probably be the theoretical max for some of these people. The weight would just be like negligible for them. Yeah. <laughs> like a 50 pound weight. It'd yeah. be like an annoyance. Yeah. It's like, it wouldn't do anything. Yeah. I, I think that they're not going to do it, but this would be awesome to see in the CrossFit games or, you know, the open or something like that next year, just a, a cool ladder like that. Cause I know they've done ladders in the past, but this is a, a different style and it's pretty yeah. easy to judge. Just get over to the other side and that there's no full extension worries. This is, this is a very good example of an open workout. This would be right what they would like in terms of an open workout. Like they had the one that was burpee box jump overs and uh, dumbbell snatches with a 50. And that was an ascending ladder, I believe. I believe it was 15 burpee box jump overs every round, but then you went up 10 snatches. So like 15, 10, 15, 20. And so they've done something similar to this. um, And those guys are still awesome. They're still awesome at the workouts that you even think an endurance athlete would beat them in like something like this. Like I said, like two for someone like me to beat someone like Matt Fraser in an event like this, it would need to be like an hour long. <laughs> it would need yeah. to be like so long or the weight would have to be like even less for yeah. to, to really to have any real shot. So I think like the highest level CrossFitters would definitely have taken this, taken sure. this down. Yeah. Um, so I did this twice. I did it on Monday, right? Right. When we talked about the first, uh, Last week, I had just finished an attempt, and then I waited until Saturday to do it again, um, just based off of logistics. I kind of wanted to do it midweek. I wanted to do it before Thanksgiving just so I could not have to worry about doing it again. Um, Unfortunately, it didn't work that way, so I did it on Saturday and just kind of thought about what to do and how to change. 
And from what I saw from the athletes I coach, people I talked to, and from my own experience that people pretty much improved like 20 reps from a first time to a second time doing this. And I think there's some subtle strategy changes that people could use for this to get better. But I also think just the feeling that is going to be that it's going to come along with it and knowing how to be ready for that and knowing like where you're going to need to kind of push and where you're where it's going to kind of settle in on you that you are going to die um, and being able to kind of keep moving forward was also really helpful for this. Um, so the first time I did this, I did, I did box jump overs. Like for some reason, when there's a workout that says jump overs, I just want to jump. I don't, I don't want to do step overs for it. I'm like, Oh, well, this is a box jump event. So box jumps would be the best way to do it. And in this case, it really wasn't jumping helped d- didn't help at all like it needed to be step overs every time the way that i see it and I, and I think the same exact thing it's just clear the box that's what you really need to do but it's everyone wants to you know throw that 100 mile an hour fastball but you need to be a little bit like greg maddox and take a little off the the heat there or you know be like tim duncan don't do the flashy thing just just get by that that was kind of the way that i saw it everyone wants to do the the quick explosive stuff but if you actually pace it and do the less flashy thing you're probably going to be better Totally. Like if this was a five minute AMRAP, <laughs> then maybe it's jump overs or if you had to do jump overs, because I thought the way it was written initially is that you had to jump. You had to leave the ground with two feet, land on the top with two feet. But um, it turned out that it should be step overs, which it should have been because that would have been a disaster for a lot of people. There have been a lot of hurt people, a lot of shins getting <laughs> torn up, a lot of people tumbling over the box. Because um, the first time I did it, I didn't have a plan for when I was going to switch to step overs, I was like, if I need to do a step over, I'll do a step over instead of a jump. So I would do a burpee and I would get up and not know how I was going to clear the box almost the entire workout. So that adds this element of decision-making, which isn't great <laughs> under duress, especially for 16 minutes at a high output. So even thinking about what I needed to do, added extra thought, which is energy. And then I also had to move my body in ways. So like I would come up and I would not know if I was going to jump or step. So I would kind of turn at the box and I would be in position to do either to step or jump instead of just being able to make a quick movement. So the second time I went into it, I was like, I am just doing step overs from the start. If I have any gas in the tank with like four minutes left or something, I'll consider jumps and see if that would be quicker. But that also just made it easier for me to not have to decide what I was going to do. And just knowing like, okay, I'm going to do a, I'm going to do a burpee. I'm going to step up my left leg and, and, and clear over. I'm going to do a burpee, step up my right leg and get over. And that made a lot of difference. Just not having to worry about what I was doing throughout this thing. Four minutes out. That's a, that's really early in my opinion to start doing box jump overs. Cause you still have a quarter. It, that'd be like doing a hard kick on your last 400 in a race realistically. And I know that Forrest and Chris, they, they at least waited until the 15th minute, if not did the full thing, all step overs. I don't think that they did any box jumps period. Uh, yeah, that's like a wistful thinking. Whenever I am talking to somebody about prepping for like a marathon, I'm going to, I always tell them, it's like, it's going to feel slow. You're going to want to go faster, but don't go faster until mile 20. And then at mile 20, if you're like, okay, I can go faster, then go faster. But more often than not, those people get to mile 20 and they're like, I'm exhausted. I'm going to stay at this pace. And so that's like the exact thing that happened with this. Like, oh yeah, if I have the ability to do jumps, I'll do jumps. But there was no ability to do jumps. (laughs) Not, not at the end of this one. And 
Another thing I did the first time through, I just didn't really have a plan for where I was going to put the weight. We talked about it on the podcast. Like, okay, where are you going to put the weight? I just said like, oh, I'll just put it in front of the box. But I, I, when I went back and looked at the video, I was like kind of toying with it a little bit. I was kind of like running around and, and um, like I would pick it up and like I'd kind of turn circles and like it just wasn't in, uh, there wasn't a plan there. So the second time I just kind of like drew a line and where I knew I was going to be able to do a burpee and not hit my face on the weight. And I just set it there every single time. And again, just took the decision out of it. So I wasn't able to think about what I was um, going to have to do during the actual workout. Isn't it crazy how preparation leads to better results? It, Unbelievable. Yeah. It, it's, it's just like a lot of people when they do a race for the first time, they don't even look at the course map or the elevation and stuff. And then like you learn, I need to know when the hills are. Are there three more climbs after this? Uh, like, People who run repeats on courses do so much better. I know Breckenridge, first time I did that, that was a disaster. And But every single time, same thing with like a lot of the stadium races, like every single time you run it again, you're more familiar with the venue, you know what's coming, kind of like doing this workout multiple times or any of these. And it, it really, that preparation and, and knowledge heading into your next attempt really makes a huge difference. It does. And it seems like almost obsessive and it kind of is and even like when chris woolley showed me his splits like it literally every rep and it wasn't at 10 and then at 16 it was like from two to four to six to eight every single time he had a plan and he executed and he won <laughs> you know he won this event he was the most prepared and i actually did that for the six mile i sat down and journaled what and this is you know it's a six mile race so like how much prep do you need to do it's like run this split for each time but i sat there wrote how I was going to think and feel during the first mile and what the split was going to be. Then I wrote what I was going to think and feel during the second mile and what that split was going to be. I did that for the whole thing. And and it was like, I was, I had already done it. So then when it came time to execute, like I knew what I had to do and it wasn't, it really wasn't up to chance then, or like didn't have to make those decisions on the fly or, or make the wrong move or not know how it was going to feel. And so I like went really, so I was like, okay, at mile four, it's probably, it's, this is going now hard. Like this is how this feels. Cause I know what it feels like at this point of a race and just kind of working through that in my brain really helped bring it to life. Um, and so I recommend doing that even for Spartan races as well. Cause it has a course map. Like how is it going to feel when you get to the rope climb after the bucket carry type yeah. of thing? How, how honestly will you feel when you come up to that? Are you going to stop and shake out your arms? Are you going to go right up it? Like, what is that going to look like? So then when you're there, you have a plan and then you can just execute, which isn't always that easy. <laughs> but yeah. At least you have a plan. You can also like for races, um, or I've done this. I've posted some split data. You can go on Strava. You can look at in between checkpoints. You'll know, all right, there's a big hill. How long is it going to take me though? Oh, it took Johnny 20 minutes to go uphill. I'm going to be slower than that. But like you, you can expect let's it's going to be 20 plus minutes for this climb or, you know, it, here's the the length of time that it's take people to swim at, at a certain obstacle and stuff. Like all this data is available mm -hmm. and the people who prep for it and same thing, the people who are asking around for videos and watching forum for, for this workout and the whole event, honestly, uh, for OCR stars, like they're the ones who did the best. And I, I know there's a saying that says it's, it's something along the lines of like the people who are, uh, prepare the most tend to be the luckiest. They're not really lucky. They're just the most prepared and people who did the well here prepared. Yeah. Now I like that saying about luck. It's like, there is an element of luck with everything we do. Right. But you kind of have to put yourself in position to reap the benefits of that luck, you know, and that's where that preparation definitely comes into place. Yeah. And so, I wouldn't say that anybody is necessarily 
way fitter than anyone else. Um, but I, I do think the people who prepped outperformed and there are people who do that on race day at Spartan race where it's like, they're not, they're an 18 minute 5k person. How are they keeping up with the 16 or even faster 5k people? Like they went into it, they studied the course map, they, they did their research. And I, I feel like the top of this competition was pretty even for, for a lot of components. There were better runners than others. There were people who were better in terms of the, um, like the high intensity style workouts. And this is across all age groups and divisions, not just like the, the pro division, but I do feel like the people who did their homework were the ones who came out ahead. Totally. And that's one thing that people do come out of that, that go, that is puzzling about obstacle course racing, especially when they see all the things kind of blown apart like this in OCR stars, you can see exactly how other people are able to do in these fitness components or the running components. And then, you know, how it looks on the actual course doesn't always translate. People are kind of like, what is it that makes the best obstacle course athlete? And I think you're right. I think it's the prep. I think it's like knowing what it's going to feel like to carry a sandbag up a hill, right? It's like what it's going to feel like to run after doing a grip obstacle and like preparing for that and mentally knowing what that's going to feel like, as opposed to pushing as hard as you can to run the fastest 10k like that's going to help you but it's not going to completely prepare you for an obstacle course race and i do think that's what's going to separate um when we get back onto the course so prep for that the same way that you you prep for these ocr stars definitely yeah you want to go over the actual results yeah let's take a look so let's just start with on the men's side um we've we've touched upon a couple of the uh top performers which is chris woolley coming through a ridiculous 282 reps then forrest was 273 forrest bogue um a guy stefan belkin do you uh, know him blecken blecken norway he's, he's pretty talented um I, i've seen it a few, or i went on his instagram last year when i found out about him the guy's definitely like a name to watch in in more of the uh the just sort of obstacle proficient style races it's a Got good it. athlete yeah so yeah, it's a, definitely a high level engine to come through 271. I finished in fourth. I was 268 on my second go. And then it was uh, Sergey. By Perelligan. four seconds, Sergey beat, he, he had a tiebreaker by four seconds. Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't even notice that. Huh. Yeah. And then, yeah, so he ended up in, in that fifth place spot. So that's the top five there. Um, I think you picked Chris and Forrest to be in the top three last I week, I thought right? Matt Kempson would be third, but I, I, I picked Forrest first, Chris second, and then Matt Kempson. Matt still had a good score, I think 238. That's still pretty solid. Um, totally. I think that if he was in like peak race form, he'd probably do slightly better, but there were three people who got 240, um, Nick Riker being one of them, Alan Dunlap, that guy who just decimated everybody in gripper chipper. So like to, being two reps behind that is pretty close. Um, overall, solid score. Totally in the mix. Absolutely. And we, I turn around Kent. Did you reach out to Kent? What was his deal? Yeah. He, he was working a lot of Thanksgiving week and stuff and he just wasn't going to do it. Hard to get it in. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that we were pretty close in, in our, in our predictions on this and who we're going to come out on top. Was there any other surprises that you saw anywhere else in here in the field? I'm, I'm just impressed overall at the athleticism, Sean Stevens whale. I know he's a great climber. Um, I didn't know that, I thought the burpees might be his downfall, but the guy stayed composed. And I mean, overall finished in third place. That's a, uh, that he, he surprised a lot of people. I, I would have probably picked him somewhere in that five to 10 range. Cause I know he's just a, a great climber. I knew he had wheels, but I didn't realize his grip strength was as good. And he is as good at uh, burpees as he was at this. 
Totally. And I've been talking to him throughout this, this process as well. And he's just competitive. He's such a nice, mild mannered person, but like, you can tell he wants to really compete and go get after it. And like I said, I watched his, like I had the idea of, okay, I'm going to pace this much better this time. Then I saw his video and he was in the pain cave at like seven minutes, like grunting and spitting at seven minutes in and just like suffering. I was like, Oh man, do I want to do do that? (laughs) I'm going to have to do that (laughs) shit. Um, so yeah, I mean, he has no problem like going after it and like, he improved substantially between his first and second and yeah, put himself in position to snag a top three spot. Yeah. He, he was right around like top eight to 10 on that first climb at uh, Tahoe. I, I don't know if he made his spear, but he kind of sort of disappeared after that, but he's had like top 20 finishes at Tahoe. He's been really competitive at big bear. I think if they're climbing heavy courses, he's definitely not respected enough in the sport. Totally. Yeah. I think he was uh 10th at Utah last yeah. year as well. Yeah. Tremendous climber, really good athlete and competitive. Yeah. That's what it shows. He is a, a, a really good, strong athlete. And I think he'll be one to watch moving forward. Um, what do you, what do you make of the Alan Dunlap of his performance in Burpee Mountain versus his performance in like gripper chipper? I mean, he's, he's a great crossfader clearly just based on the uh on on that video and gripper chipper where he just ran away with it i mean he was like 440 and then the next fastest besides hunter was 528 like that's just running away with it um i think if this might have been close to a five to eight minute workout as opposed to a 16 minute workout i think just based on his explosiveness he could have been right up there with chris and uh and forrest without knowing too much about him but except that he's clearly a, a super good quick um explosive type athlete but i think that the 16 minutes did create a little bit of separation yeah yeah and this is kind of my so i've spent a lot of times in crossfit gyms i've coached crossfit for uh several years and i've done uh i've traveled around the country and did went to lots of crossfit gyms this is something that i find happens a lot is that there are people that want to be really really good at crossfit but they just don't do enough to build their endurance and this kind of seems like this guy's kind of falling and under this i mean just how dominant he was in gripper chipper and his performance is good like he actually did two two shots at this his first time i don't think he i think he was closer to 200 and i, I don't know if that was if he just like screwed something up but 240 is a good score right that got him close to uh, the round of 22 yeah. i think it's a great right, right there yeah it was with nick Riker and ahead of matt kempson that's a great score yeah so it's a really good score but how dominant he was in gripper chipper you i would have expected him to be better at this and i wonder if he thought the same if he's like oh okay these are not crossfitters this is a crossfit workout like i maybe i can come in this and snag another thousand dollars and really he got kind of murdered <laughs> like chris Willie like crushed him like this wasn't even like the he, same he, chris murdered everybody right? he did yeah. but like he had death row right now after the trial with how much yeah, <laughs> yeah he freaking crushed it but like he wasn't even close you know but and that's like something that i feel like happens within crossfit gyms that guys that guy can probably back squat 450 he obviously can do toes to bar for days he can probably do 50 unbroken pull-ups he probably do fran and like 210 but like if you stretch him into anything that's beyond 10 minutes like he's not going to be that competitive even against endurance athletes and not even against high level crossfit athletes so it's like how how good of a crossfitter is he even if he can just do like these toes to bar and like this is how crossfit athletes are 
all across the country. They are just so generally specific, like focused on getting good at a couple of these CrossFit things or getting like really, really strong or getting really good at gymnastics. That they just like don't do the endurance part. They just won't sit their ass on a rower. They won't go for runs. They just won't, they just won't do it. And well, then when it comes OCR to performance, athletes, a lot of OCR athletes won't do the running part. <laughs> I, I know that's a whole, that's a whole different thing, yeah, yeah. but runners will. <laughs> um, and that's, uh, and, but, but that's what happens. OCR athletes, when they go into CrossFit gyms, trying to prepare for it, they just get kind of pulled into this CrossFit like world where it's like endurance. Maybe that will come from doing 10 to 20 minute AMRAPs. Um, it doesn't. So like for a high level CrossFitter, like we mentioned, like they should have won this event, not finished like, you know, upper, upper pack, but that's just something that I want everyone to be aware of if they are trying to make CrossFit their primary mode of uh, improving for obstacle course racing is that they just don't really develop endurance in any meaningful way. And this happened on the women's side as well. Um, yeah, I, so- I just wanted to tie into that real quick, just in the overall, you know, view of the event. Um, the, the CrossFitters, I thought that there would be a few more like pure CrossFitters towards the top. But if you look at like the six mile, or if we sort it by like the top 15 to 20 or so, pretty much everybody was a good runner. There was one guy who did really well in um, gripper chipper, but wasn't a good runner. And he did reasonably well in Burpee Mountain. Uh, Norbert Venscotti, he was one of those four guys in the High Rocks virtual championship that they had. Um, mm. But other than that, every single person is a pretty solid runner. They're all running like sub 34 or so for a six mile. And if you're holding 540 pace for six miles, you're a good runner, um, especially totally. in the OCR perspective. And then like everyone's mile was sub 450. Most people didn't fall apart on gripper tripper. I, I was just a little surprised at the number of that, that the number of CrossFitters wasn't higher towards the top. In Burpee Mountain or in general? Uh, just overall, like if you look at the placement total points for all four events combined. Do you think it was just that there wasn't that many CrossFitters in this? That could or be. They just didn't do well. Yeah, that, that could be to an extent, but I, I still think that you're going to have someone like Forrest who got second in Burpee Mountain and second in Gripper Chipper. You have like Chris Woolley who did really well in both events. Sean did really well. Like you're going to have people with that crossover. And I don't know if they would have been good enough at those events to displace Forrest and Chris's running ability, for instance, or Sergey. Like I, I just don't think that the CrossFitters stood as much of a chance as we thought heading into it. Yeah. And say more do come in. They may, the point, the total point dispersion may have been different by the end, but I think the places where people finish probably would have been the same. Yeah. I think that having having only a couple people under 40, um, you being one of the four people under 40, like that, that shows that there is some variety though. It wasn't just like, you can just be really good and dominate everything like Matt Fraser or Tia Clark Toomey. Um, finishing 10th in an event with like roughly hundred people or so for most of them, that's still not like running away with it at all. You have to no. you have a lot of good competition throughout. Yeah. This was really close at the top. I mean, for, so for the final results, let's just, uh, you want to just run through the yeah. top, top five of that as well. Yeah. So, uh, Ser- Sergey Perelligan out of Russia, he submitted his score with like a minute to go every single time. He didn't want anybody to have a clue what he was doing. Um, he ended up winning with 27 points, three points behind him was Forrest Bogue. And I feel bad for Forrest cause he was only three behind, um, total. But if you look at 
Forest Mile, he ended up running a 444, and there were like a couple. He had the fastest like for the tiebreaker, but there were several people who were like 441, 442, just behind him or uh, just ahead of him. So he missed out on a couple of a key points there. And I feel like he also that like some of those people who beat Forest in the mile didn't actually compete later on to like, I think that there were one, two, three, four, five, six, seven people who beat him in the mile who didn't even do Burpee Mountain. And some of them didn't even do the six mile. So it's like, there's lost points for him. But honestly, Sergey is just a great all around athlete. So uh, he he took home the win. And third place, like we said, Sean Stevens, whale, very impressive. Didn't, didn't expect him to do as well. um, But, podium that's that's fantastic and then yeah you with the the you you pulled a james delory and got fourth place the delory spot guess, guess what he got <laughs> oh i know what place he got what he else got what else place could yeah. he got yeah we just got to call that the delory from now oh, on man poor guy <laughs> we'll get that podium eventually <laughs> one yeah. day um, um and, then, and then fifth place uh we'll, we'll just run it off was chris woolley and i feel like he he got a little gypped on that six mile running it in a hundred percent humidity and like 70 plus degrees on both attempts. And he kind of suffered. He got 23 points there, but if you take away his worst event and you take away like Sergey's worst event, Sergey ended up with uh, 17 points. And then Chris ended up with 18. So like they were basically equal and based on Chris's running in the one mile, he definitely should have been higher. So I feel like he, yeah. he's in better shape than his, than that fifth place overall finish. It was just kind of the conditions really hurt him, but overall great performance across the board from him. And he had to take care of business. You know, he had, he ended up, he was initially tied in fifth. That dude, the Ivan. Yeah. Again, he got hit with another massive penalty. Both the gym based workouts. He, um, got whacked with penalties. He still doesn't know how to read the rules. Although he's not, I don't think he's a native English speaker. So maybe the interpretation could have been a little wrong with the translating. Yeah. Yeah. And, and with, you know, how you mentioned it, it is unfortunate for Forrest that the, his worst event was the event where most of the people participated in, but at the same time, small people, margins also small margins, but at the same time, a lot of those people didn't run the six mile yep. that did beat him in the mile. So I think he got a little bit of boost there, but he took care of business what he, and what he could do. Like there was no, um, no denying him in, in those gym workouts. Mm-hmm. Like even yeah. if everybody, even if everybody competed in uh, Burpee Mountain, like who was gonna, who, who else who didn't compete is gonna beat him? Like maybe yeah. one person slides in there, but probably not. <laughs> and I, I feel like you kind of lost a little bit as well, where you, you beat Sean head to head in three events, and then I beat Sergey in three events. Yeah, uh, yeah, that seriously, and then you get fourth place right there. It's just because I think some people just lost motivation to continue to compete. Yeah. And I just sucked the toaster bar. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, if I think about it, it's like, if I, if I, yeah, if I had done, you know, 30 seconds faster in that event, like I might have won this whole thing. Yeah. But like the toaster bar just, just, just got me. I I found one other thing right there. Look at eighth, ninth and 10th. We've got three straight Knicks. I know that we were making fun of the mics in that like 40 to 49 division. or Matt's. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I guess we've got all the Knicks, 8th, ninth, and 10th. And two of I them think, tied, actually. I think when they put in, uh, that's Nick Riker, shouts Nick Riker, Nick Masick, shouts Nick, Nick Masick, and Niklas Hermke. Don't know him. Um, from Germany. So uh, I think when they first put in their results, I think they were 1, 2, 3 at one point. <laughs> like they had put all in their the stuff earlier. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah. So this is, I mean, 
I think the final five was strong. I mean, I guess maybe if someone like a VJ continues to compete throughout, maybe he finds himself in the top five. Um, he buried himself pretty good in the Gripper Chipper, Gripper Chipper, um, which is, you know, presumably why he didn't continue to compete, but I'm, I'm you know, everyone has their reasons to not, but, uh, but yeah, I think that's, it was going to, how it was going to shake out pretty much no matter what. Yep. I, th- I think the Chris and Forrest in the top five, you in the top five, like no one was really surprised. I thought Sergey would do really well. Sean was the big surprise for me on the men's side. Yeah. Nice. Um, so let's go ahead and flip it over to the lady side. So let's go over the burpee mountain results. They're first. ridiculous results. <laughs> so good at the burpee at burpee mountain. So like we had mentioned, Katie Knight just came through and crushed it. 277 and uh, putting that score in early and really doing work on that. And then uh, Cassandra McCarty coming through a 274 just behind her. And uh, Lauren Weeks ended up third, which you know could be a bit of a surprise. We kind of thought she was going to run away with this one, right? Yeah, she still would have been third on the men's side um, with this event. I said I wouldn't be surprised if she podiumed in, uh, in that event. But still, yeah, I, I, I expected that to be Lauren's event to lose. But when you see Katie Knight throw up 277, there aren't too many people on the planet who can beat that. No, no, that that jumped up her into the the top five in the final results too. Then Leanne Kranz ended up with two sixty seven, and then McKenna Smith, who was also part of that uh, Precision CrossFit grouping. I'm thinking that was like the same uh, yep. night that Katie went after it as well, I and so. rounded out that top five. Yep. So the well, one thing that it, on. there were there was a huge cluster. There was a two sixty seven, two sixty six, two sixty five, two sixty four, like really really close and uh ida she had mm-hmm. the 264 she lost one two three spaces right there and she ended up losing the whole competition by four right there so just like a couple of reps right there she potentially could have tied right and that was like the compelling storyline going into this like how is ida gonna hang with uh lauren we were kind of thinking lauren weeks is gonna win the whole thing so it's like if ida could just mitigate that damage at all but it she had a bit of a window, you know, she of how close other people were. And she was only six reps away from Lauren Weeks, but just happened to be the, such a tight cluster of uh, athletes all sliding in there. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, Ida had the same amount of reps as the men's total winner, Sergey Perelligan, did. So great, great performance by her. Totally. Any surprises on, on this end for the women's results? Uh, specifically for Burpee Mountain. For Burpee Mountain. I remember early on... Um, Kelly Sullivan posted and she ended up getting uh, 11th in the event. And I saw 237 and I was like, Oh wow. I think if any, any girl gets over 250, that's going to be a great result. Oh, how wrong I was. Like, like I said, there were half as many women competing in this, but more of them got over 250 than the men did. And I don't know if they're just better at pacing Um, that they might've embraced the, let's just do step overs as opposed to some of the guys with your initial thought that you mentioned earlier, where it's like, gotta do burpee box jumps and like jump instead of stepping over. And they could have just been better, uh, stepping over or they're just great at this event. And that's probably the case. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I I thought the exact same thing when I saw, because we, we had mentioned Kelly Sullivan as a name to watch for this workout. And so when she posted her score early, I was like, Oh man, that's going to be, that's going to be tough to be. And I think I had done two forty like right before that. And I was like, okay, like, um, I think that that's going to be a a formidable score. 
Um, I saw only a few men in around 240 also. Like that was the top for several days. And I was like, that's going to be a great score. But then they, they pulled a Sergey and everyone submitted their result with like an hour to go on the last day. Right. <laughs> right. Everybody did it the last, the last go at it. Um, yeah, but that ended up with Kelly in 11th. So not, not breaking into the top 10 of that. Um, Becca Hammond ended up in the top 10, which is really strong. I mean, this is a really good score. Yep. Um, Tiffany Palmer was another one we said that to, to look out for. Uh, to be right there at the 260, which is yeah. phenomenal. So that 260 to 270 range on the women's side was very, very deep. And the, yeah, so the other person is, I don't know if they are married, but Danielle Dunlap from the Evolution Athletics was the same gym affiliate that Alan Dunlap is from. She ended up 15th in this and she was second in gripper chipper. So again, that CrossFit, yeah. no aerobic work, <laughs> just trying to get through it by being a CrossFitter. Well, we don't know how she would have done because she didn't do either of the two running events. Right. But you figure just a gripper chipper, she got second. Yes. Yeah. And like, you figure like, Oh, will the gym based workouts just translate evenly? And they didn't, you know, um, which is why I was happy that this workout was structured the way that it was, that it was more of an engine based gym workout than a, a skill oriented one, which the first one kind of was. Um, so it was good to kind of see like how that would, and it just added variety, right? Like the runners are going to do well. The runners who did well in the mile pretty much did well in the six mile, right? But the people who did well in the first gym workout wasn't guaranteed that they were going to do well in the second uh, gym workout, which I thought was a, a cool programming um, wrinkle. Yep. Agreed. And then for the overall, let's go through the overall results. Want to run through them? Yeah, I think that we both heading into it, did we both pick Lauren Weeks? I know I did. I, I don't remember if you did. Uh, yes. It's at least from... I think you'd have a picture from the jump. I don't know if I picked her from the start, but after week one, how well she ran in the mile, I was like, oh man, like, yeah, this is her her contest I, to lose. I met her at the uh, TMX championship in 2018. We split a room with Yancey as well, and ever since I met her that day, I'm like, she's going to be the you know the the next functional fitness OCR crossover superstar, and she's done really well at High Rocks. And I, once I saw how this event was structured, I was like, there's no way she's not going to win it, and ran away with it. She had way fewer points than the men's winner. Um, so none of her individual events were worse than eighth place. Um, actually Ida who got second place, none of her finishes were worse than seventh. So very, very strong across the board and third place, Bethany McChesney out of Canada. Um, she also had every single event top eight as well. So the three of them were always right up there towards the top. Uh, we got an event win out of Lauren and gripper chipper, but the, the rest of them, none of them podiumed in the other events, um, except uh, looks like Lauren and Burpee Mountain, but it's all about that consistent high level performance instead of just being like a stud in one event that really paid off for them. Totally. And they, they did a great job of staying consistent. That's kind of what you would hope for to see in this top top three to five is having those really strong, um, consistent efforts where you see uh, Becca Hammond got fifth. She's kind of similar story to like what I had, like just didn't do well in one, one workout and just yep. one bad event. And that that's what it does. And that's what an uh of a, a, a format like this is looking to suss out. It's like, we're going to find your weaknesses and when they do, it's going to, it's going to punish you and you really, you can do your best to come back. But yeah, ending up in for her to end up in top, end up in fifth, which is technically in the money we think um, is a, is a really strong showing for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Bethany McChesney, just to go back to her, um, she's been one of the underrated Canadians for, several years not too many people knew about uh know about her just simply because Faye and Lindsay get all the attention um mm-hmm. Jessica Lemon's done really well and Ariel Fitzgerald who got fifth in West Virginia last year also gets a bunch of attention and then Amanda Nadeau she got sixth in Tahoe like there, there's a bunch of 
really good Canadian women up there who don't get a whole lot of uh, attention. But Bethany McChesney, she's also consistently been one of the best in Canada for several years. So I think that getting third in a competition like this, beating you know some some really good competition, she finished ahead of Rebecca Hammond, Amanda Nadeau, Faye Morgan, like a bunch of people on the Spartan Pro team. Um, I, I think that solidifies her rank as as one of the best. Totally. And that's just another name to look out for. And in a year where there wasn't much competition, it's good that they, this platform gave athletes like her the ability to shine and show like that she's for real in all of these aspects. Um, and you got to give a shout to Katie Knight for this comeback performance, taking fourth place overall after a crushing Burpee Mountain and landing in the morning. Because I think she was she was outside of the top five leading into this, I'm fairly yep. certain. Yeah, she only missed out uh, four points to for making the overall podium and, and kind of same situation. She ran a five fifty eight, and there were two five fifty sevens for her mile. And then several people who beat her in the one mile didn't end up running the six mile. So she lost that on some, some points there as well. Probably gained some though, back on the six mile. That's true. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so, I mean, congrats to everybody who saw this all the way through shouts to guys like woods, Tyler Veermans, you know, Jack Carpenters who came out and uh, crushed it for every event and didn't, didn't, didn't come and go, didn't pick and choose and just, just went after it. So I'm happy to see that uh, a lot of people did see it all the way through, but was bummed to see that a lot of it did because I mean, there wasn't that many competitors in this that the outcome was changed by people participating or not participating, which happens in the U S national series as well. You know, we're being honest, like people who show up, end up doing better um and that's kind of what ended up happening a little bit here at the end so it would been great to see if like everybody kind of kept coming and kept going after it would have been really cool to kind of see how that would would have uh changed the results let's pretend that this was the u.s national series and all like the big contenders in let's throw in like an isaiah also who does kind of the stadium series like everybody who's normally in ocr how do you think things would have changed and assuming that hunter could score so i don't know because of how much the gripper chipper really screwed people up and how some of the best athletes, like even like a Tyler Veerman, who is a freak athlete, I thought was going to be able to just jump up on that bar and just do toasted bars for days without even practicing. But that wasn't the case. You know, VJ who excels in everything that he does in the obstacle course racing, like again, didn't, didn't do well in that workout and it really changed the trajectory of the, um, of the results. So I don't know if the top would have changed that much. I mean, I think Isaiah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how he would have done on the running. I think he would have kind of ended up where like the Matt Kempson area would have been. Maybe he takes an event win here or there and, and jumps up some. Yeah. Um, I think Isaiah I think probably would have been about top five. I think he could be right there with Forrest and Chris in those, uh, you know, gripper tripper and the burpee overs probably run about a five flat mile. I think he'd lose a bunch of points in the six mile. Yeah, especially right. if the whole field was competing. Like you have more depth in there, that would he'd get separated. And that I think would have added more points to the people at the high end of the of the final results if everybody was in it, just because the six mile would have been deeper um, through the top ten. So I think that that would have added more points within there. So I think it would have shrunk the gap a little bit. Yeah. Ultimately that, that would have helped me. That kind of but... goes to show you how much like doing simply points based on finishing place matters. Like it, it, it doesn't give a, a true accurate depiction because it, it just like that uh, Alan Dunlap, he wins by 45 seconds in gripper chipper. 
second place is only one point behind him. And then third place is only a couple seconds behind Forrest. And it's like, you're telling me that that same margin of victory, they each get one point differential. That doesn't seem fair. So, you know, I, I think the whole thing, I, I might run the numbers just to kind of see how things may have changed. Um, Ooh, but yeah, yeah, we'll see. You probably would have benefited a whole lot from that. Well, if it went per off percentage of percentage of winner, winner. Or time. Yeah. 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 That'd been, yeah. Can you have an easy formula just to kind of plug that in oh, yeah. and see? Yeah. yeah, you got that already. <laughs> Plug and play, ready to go. I'll, I'll post um, that just to see how things would have gone. Yeah, that'd be great. What do you think on the women's side? How do you think that would have um, changed things? Say, you know, you get Faye and Lindsay or even in, involved in this. How do you think it kind of shakes out? I think Corinna would have done really well. Um, yeah, that's yeah, like, that's a that's a bummer. That yeah, so, someone like Orla probably would have done um, really well. But basically, yeah. we saw several of the the really good stadium athletes. Um, with the, you, you've got uh, Kelly Sullivan doing really well in a few events, but I I thought she might have been a little faster in terms of the pure running, but she just might not be in that you know that particular uh, phase of her cycle right now. I think Cassandra Omen would have been really good to see her in there. Um, just really good, functionally fit athlete, but. Uh, I, Honestly, I feel like the people who focus on high rocks uh, or, or people who have done well would, would have stood out. I think that Faye would have done better in this than Lindsay, just simply because she's put in some of that functional fitness style training. Uh, Lauren, you saw her rise to the top right there. No surprise. I think Morgan Schultz would have done really well. Um, mm-hmm. Schweikart probably would have done pretty well, even if they, they aren't as fast of pure runners as some of like, the best true racers in the sport. Um, I think that that's where kind of the being used to beating up your whole body as opposed to just the running muscles that that's where you would have seen a little bit of a, of a gap created. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would have had a big shakeup within the top from like three to eight. Um, I don't know if any of them get Lauren in this. No, I, I still think this is Lauren's event to lose. And, and, yeah. but, I mean, Ida was super impressive as well. I didn't, I didn't know that she was that good. I know I, I mean, at this type of stuff, I knew she's definitely been one of the best in the sport for close to five years at OCR Worlds and just like all the the obstacle proficient races in uh, throughout Europe. And like, without question, she's one of the probably the, the five best women in the world for better half of a decade. Um, and so, yeah, I knew she's always been one of the best, but this is a really impressive functionally fit for functional fit performance by her. Which is great to see someone like her or even someone like Rebecca Hammonds, who are the top names in the actual obstacle course race circuit, do well in something like this. It shows that the, the programming, it did translate fairly well. Or if it's just like how the athletes rise to the top in any type of competition, like would it be the same if it was on uh, a trail or on a mountain versus in the gym? And it was kind of cool to see some of the, the better athletes be in the top still. And same with Sergey Perelligan, who is one of the best athletes in obstacle course racing him to take this win is just is a testament to the way that it, it, it could potentially translate out. Um, Definitely. Yeah. And and then speaking of uh, Sergey, the other Sergey finished 17th place, Sergey Sillin. Mm-hmm. Uh, he only had one finish inside the top 30 in any of the four events. And he finished less than 30 seconds behind John Alvin in the 15 K a couple of years ago. So it's like, just, it's, it's amazing how stuff like that happens um, when, when everything comes together on race day and it's, you know, within your, your specialty, you can really have some great performances, but goes to show you that some people might not excel in an event like this while others, you know, this is the type of training that works to get them to the top. Right. It's definitely not apples to apples. Like you're going to do well. If you did well in this, you'll do well in, um, in a Spartan race. Certainly not the case. I don't believe, um, 
you know, I think you see if you do this type of training with excessive running or primarily running, yeah. then you'll do great. Um, but yeah, there is specificity does matter. There's definitely a, a specific specificity element to this. You know, you see guys like Woods and I don't know how hard he went at some of these pa- last couple events, but it's still guys who, you, who will be at the top, you know, North American championship at Spartan race last year. So like, obviously one of the best we have um, even guys like Nick Riker who finished top 10, had a great showing in this. Like he would beat a lot of the guys in who beat him in like that six mile. Like he was kind of down in the field in that he'd probably wipe up the field. Of, like if this was an obstacle course race, he wouldn't get 26th. Yeah. Do you, <laughs> you, know? you think that uh, Nick's the most accomplished athlete in, in OCR this year with top 10 at the U S national series and then top 10 at OCR stars and a couple of, couple of savage race top fives or close to podiums. I hey, might. He's, he, he's had a good year. Good year considering. Yeah. It, uh, across all, I wonder what that money breakdown doesn't, uh, do you do that for ORM where they do? I the... did that last year. It's going to be the easiest thing ever this year. If I try it again, <laughs> cause it's like four races ever. So, <laughs> so I made some money on this. I'm I, uh, maybe, and yeah. I made some money in the burpee, 10k yep so beer mile for me so yeah beer mile i made some money too you might get in there yeah i might be top 10 i might be top five this year yeah jeez i might i might get that upgrade in that pro team uh contract this year your your contract well yeah i want that contract with rogue chicken chips or whatever (laughs) um so yeah the money breakdown for this uh, when Hunter was on my podcast, on this very podcast, before this started, he said they were guaranteeing top five payout. Mm-hmm. So 5,000, 3,000, 2,000, 1,500 from both sides. And then $1,000 for each event win, which is a really good, generous payout. I haven't heard much details about it since. <laughs> I'm assuming it's going to happen, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, realistically, if it was about 30 bucks a person and he had about a thousand people signing up, he probably came close to breaking even. Um, I think it's It's exactly even. Yeah. And I'm sure he got, you know, some sponsor prizes in there that, that helped him out. Um, I don't know necessarily if he was trying to like, obviously the business, you don't want to do something that's going to just lose your money. But I think he genuinely did try giving back to the community. And I think it was a well-received event. I think that some people are just so stuck in their ways that they're unwilling to, try something new because they know it's worked with them for, for years. I, I think that people like Forrest and Lauren and Chris will like they're willing to do these virtual style competitions. And, and this isn't like the, the virtual sprint where you submit your time by doing like some, you know, high knees in your living room. This is like, you're facing some really good competition in this. And I, I think that they genuinely wanted to know how good they'd be. And, you know, for Hunter to put on an event like that, where you're, you're getting a lot of top level talent, to truly compare themselves and actually get data for once. Like that's a, that's a really good uh, accomplishment on his end. It was so much fun. Yeah. Hats off to him when he, we first came out and said he was doing this. It may, I was so like, I've had like pride. I was like proud of him. I don't like know him at all, but I was like, that's so cool that he's taking this by the horns as an athlete in this sport and is helping push it forward because like, that's who's going to have to do this to make this thing really last past this initial generation because we don't know what's going to happen with these big companies like Spartan and what kind of support we're going to see for the athletes. Like the athletes are the ones who are going to have to push this thing forward for the sake of athletic competition. Uh, Whereas for some of these companies, it it seemed to be a byproduct of their big mission, but 
it's not the main thing that they want to focus on where guys like you or I, it's something that we want to continue to go. I feel like there's benefit in the competition for this and it's, it, it's going to help better the people who participate in the community around it if there are outlets like this. So I was so excited when he put this on and I'm so happy that it went through. I mean, there was definitely some sticking points, which I, which I would like to talk about, but, um, but yeah, man, it was so fun. And if you had fun doing this, like just even consider doing the CrossFit open when it comes yeah. back around. Cause the same style, I mean, you'll get killed. You'll get much more you'll, killed than that. You'll probably you do well missed. in like two to two, maybe three events. If you're one of the top here, but as soon as yeah. they add in like a heavy barbell or some gymnastics movements game over, sorry. No, totally. <laughs> like you're going to get worked. Um, so what do you think could have made this better? Like, what do you, what it, it just from the outside looking in, like, what would you think could have improved this? I, I don't think it's a critique on Hunter or OCR stars. I, I think it's more of a critique on people learn what a mile is. Like, <laughs> that would have made it a lot. Like how, how are there so many scores that just, you know, people didn't understand like, Oh, I'm going to stop three quarters of the way down the backstretch in the mile and call. It's like, wh- why would they design a track that way to have like an, a random <laughs> stop point? It's, that's not how it works. So I don't, I don't really give him a whole lot of fault uh, for that. I think 10 K might've been a little bit more like universally known because some people have like a 5 K loop, just run it twice or, you know, they have markings on a track and that's just kind of the, the more standard distance than yeah, six miles. A little funny, But there is a whole lot of like discrepancy in terms of GPS. If you're running it out on a trail versus, down or uh, versus like on a track. And I know that for instance, um, the, uh, what was it? He, he got uh second place initially, Andrew Leonard, yeah, in the Andrew Leonard mile. And then he had his time revoked because he had like 60 feet of drop. And they said, you never made an attempt to go uphill. And it's like, but you said, as long as it's under a hundred foot differential, that's okay. So I think that there was, that was a little controversial. Um, I think he's a, he's a, almost he was like less than a minute off of qualifying for the olympic trials in the marathon the guy does not need an advantage he that's what he ran on he's gonna be he's probably capable of doing three regardless so yeah i mean the ju- the judging in general was very suspect and that is an example that i did want to bring up as well like yeah so if you missed it the dude ran what like 502s for six yeah, miles he, he was like 30 10 or 30 20 or something yeah and he's a really good runner. He ran sub 15 earlier uh, in this year in a 5K. So he has the capability. Jack said, you, you mentioned he ran 218 in the full marathon. So like he can really run. And they just revoked his score because they said that he didn't, yeah, he didn't attempt to go up and that he tried to find, a, take advantage of a loophole in the system. But he followed the rules. Like he got disqualified for following the rules. And the and he he even made a post that showed that there was some uphill in it like it showed in the strava thing like it wasn't i mean it wasn't a lot of uphill but it wasn't like that he just got to the top of 61 foot hill and just bombed straight down yeah. he it, it like went up and down also, like a perfectly level wedge for six miles like, <laughs> right <laughs> no way and uh so they just and they disqualified him and and luckily because the dude ivan did get his penalty revoked so when it came down to it that that in the grand scheme of things it didn't affect many people it affected andrew obviously he got second um he didn't do well in gripper tripper i don't think he would have been in the mix for the top five but and he ended up not doing burpee mountain obviously because he pissed and um but it affected me (laughs) because everybody that was behind that was one point and And then i ended up Uh, yeah 
I was one point behind Sean. At oh, I thought you were two. I, w- I ended up being two. They Whatever oh, happened with Ivan's score, he got bumped down. So I was one point behind Sean. And if we're tied, I'm guessing it's head-to-head competition. Head-to-head results would be the tiebreaker. I think it maybe. was your best individual finish. Like if you won one event and someone else's best score is 10th, you're going to win. Right. So then I would have had that tiebreaker as well. So like that's the thing that that would have been us tied for third and now it gave me third be and that's a difference of a thousand dollars because they arbitrarily just disqualified this person because they just seemed like they just wanted to. It was almost like there was no real reason behind it. And the reason they gave is like because we dis- because we said so. So therefore you're disqualified. Yeah. Um and so I think there was some things, some discrepancies like that throughout. Um, I know there, I don't know what Ivan got dinged for. I know there were some other penalties that got handed out during Burpee Mountain. And just the the confusion about what Burpee Mountain was <laughs> and what all of the standards were and how they changed from the rule book and the way that the, the head judge was corresponding with people via uh, social media was really off-putting. And it's not that it was detrimental. It, detrimental to the event it was detrimental to the event because it was it was chaotic feeling and i've been checking the results like sporadically making sure i didn't get dq'd somehow because like this seems that that could just happen to people but like for the longevity of an event for the credibility of an event like you can't have those type of things like and those details matter and people are going to recognize them because there are going to be very detail-oriented people and there's gonna be people who are, who are gonna try to game the system or who are gonna do something who people when people interpret data it's gonna come out in so many different ways that when you're writing the rule book you might not even understand how someone could pull out the information that's written down and the questions that they have and how they're gonna apply it when they're by themselves you know it's a whole it's it has to be impossible to think through all the different possibilities mm-hmm. so not being really dialed in with the details definitely hurt this event it made it it made it it did fill me with anxiety and i think it did make some people some upset and i'm sure it was a freaking headache for hunter and for the judges i bet it was horrible for them yeah i mean you you never your first event doing something you never know how it's going to turn out and you you just think like oh run six miles or run one mile just get it on a pull-up bar you you think it's going to be so simple but stuff happens people create situations you weren't expecting for and that's what makes it difficult but i mean overall for a first event getting some pretty solid names to compete and you know look forward to competing um in a year without any events really i I think that they definitely pass with flying colors this first time totally and i hope it comes back do you think one more event would have been like for me competing in it i'm okay with it not being an extra week because it was like five or six weeks of just kind of like waiting around to yeah. compete, um, which isn't always that easy. Um, what could you have done, though, to like balance the running versus... I think just something like the 400 burpee workout or the burpee or like a burpee 5K. But then you're dealing with standardization in terms of the burpees. Mm-hmm. But I think that would be like how to blend them both. What yeah. do you think? Yeah, I, I think that that would be similar. You just have to... They intentionally did step overs, box jump overs, burpee over... like to avoid any possible like full extension type issues. So I think that if you had people doing burpees on a track for 24 minutes and someone's complaining about three or reps, not having full extension for your hips, especially with how sloppy some Spartan people do it. Yeah. I think it could have been pretty, pretty, uh, pretty bad doing it that way. 
Yeah. In terms of standards, that would have been really tough. I, I, I think what... that, that roughly like an eight minute event probably would have been a good idea. Um, that had maybe like run a 400, do like an AMRAP, you know, as many reps as possible or, or complete a certain amount of, of reps for certain movements, like 10 pushups, 10 squats, 10, you know, something like that. And then run one more 400. So you're only doing like a half mile running, but you also have some like re- some leg burning stuff going on in there. That would have been a really good idea. Yeah. I would like to see pull-ups in here somewhere. That would have been cool. Yep. Um, I think that would, oh, I'm surprised there wasn't. you're getting assisted yeah. jumping. Up. Yeah. Um, but I also yeah. think some people might not have been able to do those in like the age group divisions. Yeah, that's true. That's probably what they were thinking with that. Yeah. And it would have been nice. And like just the, the people not having complete gym access. So you can't like add a rower. Cause that would be a way to add a cardio element with uh, like, a, like doing a row 500 meters and then 10 pull-ups, 10, thrusters or whatever or something like that something that is a little bit more crossfit but with more cardio piece um i don't know or some way to or just like a carry with a 50 pound dumbbell like run a 400 400 meter carry run a 400 400 meter carry and have that be like the event or maybe just simply a 400 meter farmer's carry and then just blast the uh 400 that'd be sweet (laughs) that'd be fun i would crush that that, that's your that's that's your games when you do this um what do you think do you think this could lead to anything else like i know i don't think that's in hunter's uh realm yet but who knows down the road like having uh ocr stars games like have this be like a, a qualifier in um yeah. how, do you, how do you think this could do you think this could lead to anything else well i remember they had the ocr open earlier this year um where they had some head-to-head competition virtually for some of the best racers do you remember that no oh really um so yeah, some some guy in uh, the north of Denver, uh, Luca. He basically started. And I think uh, Serena's his wife, but they ended up uh, creating a competition where it, it was like, now we're going to have Ryan Kempson face Sergey Perelgin head to head, and Forrest face someone. And the, all that it was is someone recording them on their phone doing ten to twenty minute videos um, or like race simulation style workouts. And that that was definitely something that they were going for. And I, I heard on a podcast that Hunter didn't want to like get in the way of that or, you know, do it a complete copy of that. So he kind of did this one, but I, I feel like there's enough like desire among top athletes to want to do something like this, that if they really enjoy it, they'll be able to convince the people who follow them and look up to them in the lower divisions to also want to compete in this. Um, that, so I do think that there is interest. It's just a lot of logistical headaches. Yeah. And then this year it's not going to be something that they could, they could really put together. But yeah, I think there is space for that. And then not the Spartan games because that is just seems silly, <laughs> but something yeah. that is more a legitimate competition. Yeah. Um, I think with, with like the Spartan games, which are going to be coming out on Thursday, is it? Whatever. So, December 2nd, is, Wednesday yeah. or something. Um, but mm-hmm. I think that those it's like, okay, whoever wins the one hour bike ride is probably going to win the six hour bike ride or the five hour bike ride. Same as the, six hour run, you're probably going to have the same winner as who would have been winning at the 90 minute mark. It's like this, you don't know who's necessarily going to win. Cause it's, it's shorter. Um, you, you know, you, you saw Sean Stevens whale take off like crazy and, um, and then hit the halfway point and just kind of hang on their word lead changes and stuff like that. And then yeah. actually reasonable pace changes or, uh, pace strategies that made a difference for, for some of these events. And you saw on the women's side, you had like, four straight people separated by one point all getting in the two sixties for the 
Burpee Mountain. Like I, I feel like there was actual contention um, instead of just a pretty predictable top of the leaderboard. And, and that's because they had a bunch of people who train for similar events to compete against each other, competing yeah. against each other. Whereas like the Spartan games, just like random people from random sports and like, I, like how could this be compelling? I don't know. Maybe it will be fun to watch. I'm definitely going to watch it, but uh, yeah. I think there's a better space for like athletes like you and I and everybody else who was in OCR starts to go and compete and um, yeah, create a name for ourselves in a different realm that is than just a Spartan race or something. I agree. Yeah. I, I mean, this just makes me want to do the Spartan combine again. Mm-hmm. Once I'm physically able to like stuff like this, you don't get data like this ever to see how people would do and then actually compare it to race performance um as you mentioned like tyler Vierman and vj we thought they would have done better on some of the uh the gripper tripper stuff but when you when you look at it you're not really supposed to hang on a bar for a while in ocr if you are there is a problem like you yeah. want to get through that thing in like eight seconds across a rig or beater and stuff you don't want to have to be on there for two and a half minutes hanging on without dropping like that's that's not the intention of it sure if you have like great grip strength endurance and you get into a situation where you're like, Oh crap, I need to like regroup on the fly or else I do burpees. Then having that great grip strength endurance is really going to help. Um, but I feel like it's a lot of just get off the bar, get off the obstacle as quickly as possible. That really makes a difference in true OCR racing. Um, but yeah, it, it, it would be interesting to see like if they changed up that particular workout, how, if it would have lined up more with the usual results. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's just where you got to take it for, uh, okay, this was just an event that was its own thing. You know, it wasn't judging who's going to be the best at getting through obstacles because then we would just do an obstacle course race, you know, so yeah. who could do toaster bar better. Yeah. Um, but given the limited equipment, I mean, they, they he put out some great challenges. Um, very fair. I, I'm going to be adding some of these to my repertoire once I'm healthy again. Yeah. And it made for like compelling shifts and changes on the scoreboard. You know, like it wasn't who we just thought it wasn't like Ryan Kent killing everybody because, you know, he does well in high rocks. You know, he was like kind of the next in line here behind like a hunter or from someone that would come into this field of like a high rocks or a uh, um, deck of fit. You would think these, those athletes were going to do the best in this. And like, he wasn't killing everybody because of like, so the programming, the programming was interesting and it changed things up. And I think that's got to be part of it with a competition like this. And that's why if you do like a, uh, several stage, several day thing, like a CrossFit games, you could be even more creative. You can do like really interesting things and then have implements like super heavy sandbags or something like that, or super heavy tire flips, or even add a barbell element into things, kind of how they did at the Spartan games, but just like creating more interesting challenges for these athletes. I think, I think there's a space for that. I mean, not virtually, but I think there could be something for it. Yep. Um, so let's talk about age group stuff. We'll wrap it up. Sure. So we're going to go through some of the the compelling stories. We'll start on the guy's side. So our guy, DJ Fox, was going into the lead. He only had a one-point lead, um, Brett Mazza, and he he smoked it. He got 244, and Burpee Mountain is a fantastic score, and just ran away, took care of business, ended up with 11 points uh, to Brett Mazza, 16. And Alf Powell finished up top three for the men on 18 to 29. So shout out to DJ Fox for really taking care of business on that one. Yeah, in the uh, 30 to 39 division, Matthew McLean out of Canada, he ended up winning 21 to 25 over Trevor Rossborough. That's a four-point differential, and Matt beat Trevor by four points in Burpee Mountains or four places, so that made the difference. Yeah, they were, and, tied, they were tied going in, so yep. you know 
Mad do we had to do. Yeah, and we mentioned the uh, James Delory Award, fourth place again. Uh, Jonah and James, I feel you, James. And the thing with this, he did well. James got third in Burby Mountain with scored 240. Fantastic beat score. Kempson. Yeah. Beat Matt Kempson, yeah. Would have done really well. He finished the same as Alan Dunlap, who smoked everybody in the Toast Bar workout. But the one person he had to beat is uh, Jonu. Blaget, yeah. Yeah, Blaget, he... He won. <laughs> he won the event, was able to flip pass because they were tied, and James Delory finished in the Delory spot. Yep. So I you feel you, bro. Quattro. I feel you, bro. Yep. Um, in the 40-49, Matt Rock laid it down. We knew he was going to. He smashed. He, he had a funny setup. I don't know if you saw him post on Instagram. He was. It looked like he was doing Burby Mountain in like his living room. A dog attacked him, basically. Yeah. A, a dog attacked He had like this, like a throw pillow that he was like setting his dumbbell on to like, so he didn't like mess up his hardwood floors. Yeah. I was like, where is this man doing this? But he mashed it. He got 247, killed everybody. Yeah. Um, he, he, Matt, Matt Rock won the, uh, the Matt Rock versus Matt Stone battle. So I guess Rock beats Stone this time. Yeah, yep. Yeah. So as 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 we would have assumed, and and also beat all the other marks and mats in that division as well. The mar the mats, the marks, the mics were all top five. So Mark uh, pulls in, finishes second, and Matt. How we how we pronouncing that? Uh, Latino, Lat Latino. It's yeah. all set. We're, Congrats! Uh, to the- I guess you were never in charge of like the script spelling bee where they asked for the pronunciation. So. My when I was in student council my senior year, I just ran for some position that would just make me have like a fun homeroom, and then I would like get out of class to say I was going to go help with student council stuff. I was the corresponding secretary, oh. and the, the only job I had was to take uh, take attendance at uh, student council meetings. I think that's a, and sometimes I said the pledge on the loudspeaker, so that was pretty cool. Gotcha. But yeah. I'm I'm out of practice. And sometimes I listen to I listen to people screw up people's names. I'm like, how can they just not say those names? But saying them out loud is harder than saying in your head. I'm telling Definitely, you, yeah. Well, you're, you're speaking to the former sixth place in the entire state of Massachusetts spelling bee uh, finalist back in 1999. So no way. Oh yeah, yeah. I was, how I was, old were you then? That's uh, pretty young. Fifth grade. Fifth grade. Yeah, I lost. What do you get for What do you get for sixth place? Nothing. Fifth place got uh, some some like hundred dollar gift card for something and like so, some other thing, but. Uh, I ended up misspelling memoir when I was nine or 10 years old. Do you like spell that in your sleep now? Uh, how do, how you, do spell you spell it? it? How do you? I'm not spell it. you I, don't, I don't, I don't you're spell not, it. You're not smarter than a fifth grader. Come on. <laughs> memoir. M E M O I R. Yeah. You're smarter than a fifth grader, Rich. Would you, how'd you spell it? I, I just gave up like halfway. I was like M E M. Just, just collapsed, <laughs> collapsed to the like, ground, crying. Like, I'm not getting this right. I'm 10. I don't know where it is. So you're like you're like the James Delory of Massachusetts spellers. No, he's better than me. He got fourth. I got sixth. He would have yeah. fourth. The Delory spot. Um, what, what did you compete in Massachusetts, or did you live in Massachusetts? Yeah, like I, I won my. I, I grew up in Lynn, um, which is like 20 minutes north of Boston, and then I moved just before high school. But um, yeah, I. I I won my school, did well in like the district thing, and then like they had their regional state championship thing or something, and I got six there. So that's just, that's awesome. The winner the winner appeared on TV and competed in the uh, Scripps National Spelling Bee Championship. So the one that's on like ESPN, yeah, the cool Whoa. one. If that's cool, that is the cool one. That's coolish. Yeah. Um. Well, yeah, you're you can spell much better than I can. I if there wasn't for like like this technology and spelling software, I would never 
spell anything correctly. Yeah, just look for that red underline symbol on all the text. Yeah. I even use this software called Grammarly. I pay for it. It's like a, a better spell check. Yeah. Um, I get ads for that and I'm almost offended. I'm like, you know who you're talking to? But, please. You're targeting, you're targeting ads are wasting money. Crack, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, back to the... <laughs> so 50 to 50 now. Let's just take care of the names here. <clears throat> yep, so, uh, Tom, Tom Patrician, another easy name for you to pronounce um turns out he i told you he was an olympian and i found out he was an olympic wrestler for canada in the 80s no way okay yeah. so, so this was, uh, no surprise that guy won uh no one other person joe, joe rivera who's been doing a lot of the deca fit um it down in florida joe actually got an overall elite podium when he was like 51 or 52 um a couple of years ago and he put up 200 in burpee mountain so that's a very impressive result but Overall, Tom, he got uh, first, sixth, second, and first. I mean, it was he was he ran away with the thing. Tom, and finishing with ten points. Yeah, that he so, was dominant. Yeah, he was. Then, then, yeah, with Joe made made a huge jump because uh, going into it, uh, Ed Karat was in second, and he actually dropped because it ended up being a three way tie. But with Joe's second place, it put him at uh, I guess it's a double tie. How would how would this? What if what if every the scoring was super simple, but for the the, the tiebreaker is something super complicated, like a Jack Bauer equation to yeah, figure yeah, yeah. out? No, <laughs> I, I think it comes down to like what's your best individual finish if you're tied there. What's your best second? Joe, like, your second. Okay, so yeah. Okay, so yeah, Joe getting times. Joe has a yeah. second. Theo has a second, but Edward he has a third. So Ed's the last, and then Joe. And so a, a fourth versus a seventh so, or a sixth. So that's why Joe ended up getting the podium. Nice job, Joe. That's a big move making that making that happen. So compelling at the fifty fifty nine. Our guy Richard Bogue smashed, took down, finished with six points in the sixty plus, taking out his French genetic. Did we find out about it? I mean, he he crushed everybody. Forrest crushed everybody except for Chris and. I mean, Richard getting uh, 159 in the in his late 60s. That's a very solid score. Strong burpee mountain genetics. They both smat uh, with Forrest getting second in gripper chipper and burpee mountain. His dad won up them in both. Took them. Yep. Took the took the first place. Um, okay, cool. Let's go over to the female side. So Aaron Kling really was dominant. Uh, talking of a dominant four, she went in and finished with seven points overall. Top three in everything. Top three in everything. So she had a great score, two thirty-two in um, Burpee Mountain. Are you familiar with her? I, I I did a little digging, but I don't. I, I couldn't find much on her. I'm not not at the moment. Yeah, yeah I'm, so, I'm sure I'll, I'll end up doing my research. I'm sure and finding out who some of these people are, just in case they sprout up again. But really solid result. Yeah. Top three in everything. Yeah, and and Chris Newell, who was tied with Aaron going into Burby Mountain, ended up second with 12 points. And uh, homie Shayna McLean came, uh, took a jump from fourth into third. Shouts to Shayna with a second place overall finish in Burby Mountain. So top three, congrats to you guys. Um, 30 to 39. Take it away, Jack. Uh, Heather Minnick ended up winning uh, with a great score of 253. But even more impressive was second place. Uh, Jamie Latimer ended up getting 272. Didn't Lauren get like 270? Lauren Weeks. Yeah, but what did what and, did Katie make? Did she get 272? Age group gets 272. That's just that's ridiculous. And then Jillian Heller finishes third with 220. Um, and 
she actually got the same exact amount of reps in uh, as the fellow third place finisher, or I guess technically fourth, Angelique Chetineau, who's on uh, from France, and both of them had 220. Jillian just happened to reach her final checkpoint, or like the, the start of the final round, quicker than Angelique. So that's why she ended up getting the win. So this was funny too, that tiebreaker, and that it was the the not your time finished between the last round it was a last set of burpees yes so like it wasn't the step the step ups didn't matter so you could have got through all the step ups and started your next round of burpees but it was your score from the previous round of burpees which i thought was a little confusing um and i I was correct lauren got 270 um and like we just mentioned uh 272 is just ridiculous so great job jamie and jamie smashed gripper chipper too she got 632 and what was lauren's time like 616 yeah, I think she got second over. I remember mentioning specifically her. Um, so pretty pretty dang solid athlete. So she is one to look out for. If she can uh, continue to improve on her running, we'll see her out there. We could see her. That could be a name to look out for in the High Rocks Deca Fit type of world. Yep. Um, but no, no shake up from the last one. People. And you, What's that? You could take away the 40 to 49 division because they're oh, easy to pronounce. That. Michelle Wall took, takes it down with the win. Kelly Williams in second and Marissa Temple finishes out the top three and they, this is there was a shakeup in the from burpee mountain because michelle wall won outright get 230 in burpee mountain these scores are just fantastic yeah um where kelly williams finished seventh overall with 190 and that was enough for michelle to flip first and second as she was she came into the final round one point behind and ended up beating her by a decent amount finishing with six points overall i mean Going into the event, Kelly had four points and Michelle had five, so they were really kicking butt. But that Burpee Mountain score was able to to propel her into first place. Yep, super impressive two thirty score right there. Yeah, um, for female forty to forty nine, that's fantastic. Yep, and then in the fifty to fifty nine division, Darla O'Connor looks like she ended up winning the tiebreaker versus Jaina Eastis. Um, I'm not sure. Right? They both got two, two, one, one. So I don't know what the tiebreaker might have been, but she's listed ahead of Jaina. Do you think they're just going to do a shoulder shrug? They <laughs> should, they should, they should put into consideration like temperature and air quality yeah. at the time um, of the event. If I was in charge of this, yeah, I mean, you- Jaina uh, ended up losing the six mile by four seconds. However, she completed gripper chipper fully. I would give her the benefit of the doubt since she technically completed one of the workouts that uh that darla did not so you and i we will declare jana as the winner of this 50 to 59 for females congratulations jana <laughs> yep and then heidi williams finishing with the lowest score across the board with five points uh, and four is the lowest possible minimum uh in the 60 to 69 division she edged christina olsen out of sweden so that does it congrats to all all participants all podium finishers you guys did great. I'm glad you guys stuck with it and you hope you learned something because I mean, I really did. I, I, I got some great feedback in terms of my training, in terms of my performance. It was able to kind of dive into, to getting into that performance mindset again and just thinking about the visualization and just the whole performance piece. I, I took a lot away from this event. So Jack, I'm bummed that you were not able to join me, but I'm happy that you were able to join me on the podcast each week. 
Yeah, definitely. It's been good doing recap. It's sort of been like uh, the pregame show or the postgame show after like a football weekend. So totally. Yeah. Do, do you have a go to for your recap shows? Are you a barstool um, guy? Or, I have uh, bunny ears on my TV. So it totally depends on if I even want to turn the TV on that day. I don't have cable or anything. Um, and with how bad the Patriots have been this whole season, I haven't really paid attention to too much football. Although they did beat Kyler Murray in the the Cardinals yesterday, so that was a little shocker. There's, there's still a lot. I'm the same way. I don't. I don't. We don't even have a TV. So, yeah. and I just kind of watch on my computer, but I listen to like podcasts, so I know what's going on. But I don't actually watch many of the games. Yeah, so I, it's more I, just kind of like soap opera for me. I generally about an hour after the game, I'll go on to like YouTube, and they'll have NFL game clips, and it'll just be literally a ten to fifteen minute recap no commercials like they won't show the 20 seconds in between plays it's just like one play after the other then you can kind of see how the flow of the game went and then they might highlight like a big moment but that's about it it's just like cut and dry here's what happened that's a good way to watch hoops too i'll do that for basketball because they'll do that while they'll cut out like dribbling up the court oh the cut and you can actually see how the teams are playing defense and who's kind of sucking consistently or who's playing well consistently yeah um so you can actually get a good amount of knowledge on what's actually happening watching that way definitely yeah but you know i hope we did the uh the equivalent for the ocr fans out there there are no cr stars me too i think we're the only game in town so i, I hope we were the best game in town i i was gonna say not too much competition so i think do, do you think we tied do you think we both get first place in this one so that's that's how i see it we, we I think so an ocr stars the best commentators i guess i think we will i think we're taking that one down yeah. congrats to us yeah all right man well where can people find you uh instagram under or jack underscore bauer underscore ocr cool man i'm reinforced underscore running underscore rich again thanks for all of you guys who reached out and all who participated it was super fun really i did have a blast participating and also just chatting with everybody about it because i think that we did foster a nice little community during this piece i'm sad that it's over i'm sad yeah yeah and if you guys like this decafit is having an event in february in florida um, they already you got going? one of those and I believe Atlanta in April, um, they've secured venues for those. So if you you know, if you like the style of competition, that might be worth something competing in because there haven't been too many races for a while, but that part of the country is allow, <laughs> allowing get togethers at this point. Bring so, it on. Yeah. You're in yeah, Florida, so. just keep living life. Yep. Atlanta in April, however. That's hmm. where my girlfriend's family's from. It might be on my agenda. So if, if. I'm assuming my Achilles is feeling good, but that would be a fun battle. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Me and you. Yeah. Then we'll recap it. The, um, yeah. Okay, cool. Sweet. All right. We're signing off. All right. See you guys. See ya. All right. That was fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm sad. I had so much fun doing this. Like training and competing is fun and talking about training, competing. It's all so fun. So again, I really do appreciate all of you who competed in this and those of you who reached out to us during these couple of weeks when we're going through these episodes. Uh, Please keep in touch. Let us know how your training is going. And again, if you've enjoyed this podcast, we would love if you could hook us up with a five-star review. It only takes a minute. Just drop us a quick line as well. Helps us out. Helps us get found so other people like you can get the benefit of talking about these fun events and how to train for these fun events. So appreciate you guys and we will talk to you soon. Thank you.